this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to New Books in Fantasy. I am your host, A.E. Lanier, taking over for Gabrielle. She will still be stepping in for an interview every now and then, but I am assuming primary hosting responsibilities going forward. Today, I will be speaking with Daniel M. Ford about his new novel, The Warden. The novel follows Ailish Delenti, a recent graduate of the Magister's Lyceum and newly minted warden in her very first posting in the town of Lost Pine, a small frontier village surrounded by sheep and not much else. The story follows Ailish as she works to win over locals who are distrustful of wizards, particularly of necromancers, which she is, and as she unravels a series of mysteries plaguing the town all while reconciling the fact that she has graduated top of her class, only to leave the charms and joys of urban life to live in the freezing middle of nowhere in a tiny town plagued by goats. Um, Daniel M. Ford is a writer, poet, and educator. His works include the Paladin Trilogy and the Jack Dixon Mystery Novels, as well, of course, as The Warden, which comes out this month. He is here with us now. Hi, Dan. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Um, as Ailish says herself throughout the book, your protagonist is a wizard, but she's also a warden. Uh, could you speak a little bit about what that distinction is and the significance of it? Sure. Uh, all wardens are wizards, but not all wizards are wardens. Um, in this case, in this world, uh, a wizard is a warden who has specifically trained in certain kinds of magic. Um, a warden has to be either an invoker or an abjurer. They can be other things, but they have to be one of those two things. And they are sort of, uh, in Ailish's case, she winds up being like a frontier marshal, right? Because she's so far from the civilization. But in a city, they might assist local guards or um, serve in advisory capacities for military units they're kind of an all-purpose like wizards doing protective services for citizens of these three countries all right fabulous and so as you mentioned Ailish has to be an abjurer to be able to be a warden she is also a necromancer and an enchanter so those are sort of her three schools could you talk a little bit um about sort of the role her schools play in her development and i'm a little bit curious was that something that you knew from the beginning were going to be her schools or was that something that like changed as you got to know the character so i knew right away when i was going to write a book about a wizard i didn't want to have her throwing fire and lightning like i wanted to do you know i wanted to have other approaches to problem solving other than kind of blowing them up 
Um, and so I hit on, I think, abjuration first as like, if she's going to be sort of a protector, this is what she should be doing. And then I thought, I started thinking a lot about necromancy, but I wanted to make sure it was necromancy that didn't didn't involve like animating the dead. Like she can do that, but she very specifically doesn't do that, uh, is forbidden to do that. Um, and I really, over the course of the book, her use of necromancy, I, my original idea was it was more like investigative, like, you know, talk to the dead person to find out who murdered them. And then it became much more medical and that she's essentially using magic to do modern medical things in a medieval setting. You know, like she can do surgery, she can diagnose illnesses. And that just kind of happened organically as I was writing the book. That wasn't really the plan. And then with enchantment, like I knew I wanted to establish Ailish is kind of unusually powerful and unusually gifted. But again, I didn't want it to be like big shooty bang bang power. And I thought, all right, if enchantment is like her third school and she's not as good at it as the other two, like it's still something she has in her back pocket and she can use when she needs to. But it's rarely like the first thing she reaches for. Right. She's a necromancer first and always. I think she even says that. And maybe not. Yes. She says that in one of the books. <laughs> Yeah, I think she says it in this one. Certainly that is the energy she's giving off if she doesn't say it explicitly. That was one of the things that was really interesting to me about this magic system, which feels very familiar in some ways. Uh, but there's sort of a hard line where wizards can really only do magic within certain schools of magic, which means that in her case, some of the more like offensive kinds of magic are like strictly off the table. And you've already mentioned that that was something that was important to you when you were sort of coming into this novel so that she had to problem solve more. Was that, um, is that where those rules came from? Was wanting to be able to do those certain things in the plot? Or was that something that you already had? Um, cooking? I think it came about because like, if I have a wizard who can't do those things, then I just kind of applied that to the entire world, right? A wizard trains very specifically in a college to do one or two usually two is the most kinds of magic. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like the fact that Ailish can do three is kind of unusual. It's not unheard of, but it's unusual. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and I, I think once I started thinking about the magical college, the, the, the Lyceum, in the original drafts of the novel, there was a lot more magical college stuff at the beginning of the book. Um, it just kind of happened organically that like, you know, this one of her friends was an abjurer and this one was a diviner and this one was an illusionist and that kind of thing. So you, it sounds like over time you started focusing more on Lost Pine and less on sort of the school and all of that stuff. Uh, what yeah, was that well, process of zeroing in like? Um, I knew that I wanted to put her in the fish out of water scenario. Um, I, I think when I originally kind of conceived this, I didn't necessarily think of the main character as somebody fresh out of college. Um, I was thinking maybe slightly older and more experienced. And then kind of, I, I spent a lot of time in college, so why, why not draw on that? Um, and then I thought it's more interesting if, you know, it, it's, it's a better entry character for the, for the reader, you know, if she's brand new and then sending her off to this tiny village, um, when she's so clearly a city girl and doesn't know anything about like agriculture or woodcraft or how to stay warm in the weather that cold, um, I thought would lead to sort of more interesting story possibilities and, and, you know, force her to grow as a character. 
She does walk this really interesting line of being in some ways really hyper competent and in so many other ways completely inexperienced. Um, It sounds like was that something that more was part of her from the beginning or that came over time? Once once I knew I had her as the character, um, that was right from the beginning. I, I did not want to have a character who like doubted herself a lot or was you know, hesitant. Um, Ailish has never hesitated <laughs> in her life. Um, and, uh, you know, like one trope that I I feel like I'm really sick of, and, and I can name two like major fantasy shows that are doing it right now. Like, let's take the main character, let's take this woman character's power away. So she has to like, show who she really is. Like, I am never going to do that. I hate that. Like, I want my protagonist to be good at stuff. They should have weaknesses, they should have flaws. But like, I think they're more interesting if they're really good at the things that they say they're good at. Yeah. And that's definitely something that, yeah, it was, it definitely comes across in the novel and it is very fun to watch her be both competent and new. Yeah. um, For sure. And then Lost Pine. So was Lost Pine always going to be this very isolated frontier space or was that something that came sort of more as you started to figure out what you needed for um, the character lone pine was always going to oh, be sorry, isolated frontier. it's okay <laughs> it's okay it's always it's always going to be always. um isolated frontier space um because that would give the the fish out of water vibe that mm-hmm. i was looking for all right yeah fabulous Um, And that was something that was, I think, really interesting as well was the ways in which you've already sort of mentioned what being a warden would be like in the city. But because she is on the frontier, she has in some ways this level of power and lack of supervision and that all of the calls that she's making are hers. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like what that experience is like for her or for the plot generally. Yeah. Was that well, something that happened originally? F- for the for the plot, it's a matter of like if she has to wait 6 weeks every time she makes a decision to get like approval from her um her superiors who are like hundreds of miles south of her. Um but no, like kind of e- every warden kind of is that legally powerful and especially since she's the only warden as far as she knows for hundreds of miles. Like she, uh, she says this at one point in the book, like she is the judge, she is the jury, she is the executioner if she has to be. Um, and it, like, it's a lot of power to put in the hands of a 22 year old <laughs> um, who's just out of college. And I think it's um, hopefully what comes across is that Ailish is on some level, she's conscious of like how much power she actually wields and that she does not want to make irrevocable decisions with it unless she absolutely has to. I don't want to like spoil parts of the plot, but like she's not bloodthirsty, right? She's not, she, she does not like, she does not seek out the opportunity to hurt people or punish them. Um, And that it's maybe not in the forefront of her mind, but like on some level, she's definitely aware she really has quite a lot of legal authority. And a couple of times she's not afraid to to throw it around, Mm -hmm. right? And say so. Well, I think that balance is so interesting, too, because at the one hand, she like has to be able to hold that. And that's something that's so hard to do as a 22 year old. But also she does still have to like make decisions and move in that space. Um, and she obviously is a very like decisive character. But that's a thing where there's there's a cost to waffling as well. 
And so I think, first off, it's nice to see a character that is so sort of decision forward, but also that tension is interesting of like knowing that you're young and you don't have this experience to pull on, but still having to make those decisions. There's a couple times uh, where there's like a crisis happening and she thinks, oh, let me go read a book. And then one of she'll remember one of like her professors telling her like, no, when you are in the moment of crisis, you have to make a decision right now. If you go running for the book, people are going to die by the time you finish reading the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things that was really interesting to me about this book is sort of perspective. There's a point early on in the novel where an adventuring party comes into town and there's kind of a level of trepidation from the town itself that was really fun to read because I think that so often when we're engaging with these kind of high-ish fantasy settings, we are expected to either actually be the adventuring party or at the very least be empathizing with the adventuring party. And in some ways, right, this story is very much set in this one town and Ailish is in many ways like what would be an NPC in a lot of settings. She is the local law enforcement that like is maybe going to be a problem, maybe not. Uh, So I was wondering how intentional that was and if you could talk about sort of like choosing both that setting and that perspective. That, you know, it wasn't intentional to like write a book about the NPCs, but it was kind of my the the acquiring editor kind of described it that way. At one point, he was like, it's like when this adventuring party shows up, it's like you realize everybody we've met is who we would normally think of as the NPC, right? Um, but something I'm really interested, I guess, in more of in fantasy now is seeing like the perspective of like not the people of destiny and not the mm-hmm. the people that we would normally label our protagonists, right? I mean, Ailish is definitely a protagonist. Um, and it just so happens at that moment where she intersects with them, right? They're the ones going out doing adventuring stuff right? They're exploring ruins and, and getting treasure. And she's like, I'm stuck in this village building fences, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and um, writing reports. Yeah. And writing so many yeah. reports. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely so. is right. Especially because you've talked about not being necessarily in college as much, which is obviously there's a whole bunch of college school books and like magical school books, but instead having this character that does feel very protagonisty, but doing kind of the life parts And obviously there's a lot of mystery and adventure and stuff that does happen to her, but in sort of like a less traditional setting, for sure. Um, There definitely feel like a lot of sort of RPG and tabletop influences in this space. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those influences and also maybe like the differences in terms of a novel versus a medium like tabletop or other kinds of role play. Um, I've been playing tabletop games, mostly D&D, but plenty of others for literally 30 years. Um, Been running and playing them. I have an RPG club at the high school I teach at that I've been running, I think, since like 2011. Um, And uh, so like that's a huge influence on how I think about fantasy uh, and how I interact with it. Um, And I think that you know, anybody who's familiar with D&D, they're not going to be super surprised when they start reading about the wizards and like the things Ailish can do magically. But I also think that if like all of us have at some point been playing a D&D campaign or, or other RPG campaign and thought, I bet this would be a great novel. And you know what? It probably wouldn't. Um, because one of the things is like, especially a game like D&D, other games depart from this, but D&D, Pathfinder, things like the main activity of the game is like killing stuff right 
the main activity of the game is combat. If you put an entire like D&D adventure path's worth of combat in a novel, it would be exhausting to read, right? It would be exhausting. It'd be so much like sorting through bodies to pick out treasure. Like that you don't actually want to think that much about that, right? Like if you just exploded 10 goblins with a fireball you're really gonna pick through them to like get the copper pieces which because it's what you do right in in D like oh this is the treasure you find well where did i find it <laughs> how did i how did i get my hands on it exactly and you know i'm not saying we should stop and think about it. like D is fun um and it's fun to engage in those core activities that are really well defined in any rpg right but also RPGs are very repetitive because you have a core activity that you're focusing on, whether that's combat or something else. And a novel can't be that repetitive or nobody's going to want to read it, right? It has to change. It has to be dynamic. Things have to, the, the characters have to do different things over the course of the book. Um, more different things than you usually do in any given RPG. Were there other changes um, that you made? I mean, obviously, like, this is very much a novel and is not like a D&D game. But one of the things I was thinking a lot about was sort of the magic system and having it be something that felt familiar if you do, for example, play a lot of D&D, but also being accessible to people that didn't or don't have like a lot of that knowledge. Um, was that like a line that you thought about a lot? Or was it just something that at this point you've been doing and being in these spaces for so long? Um, I thought about it somewhat. Um, I feel like if you, if you've played a lot of RPGs, the magic here will be familiar, but I don't think you have to have played RPGs to, to get it and to understand it. I hope not. (laughs) Um, but so there's a lot, there's a lot of like, that's what kind of the flashbacks to her time in the Lyceum do like, and, and when Mm -hmm. she's using a spell and thinking about what it's going to do. And, um, you know, I tried to give them more fanciful names than just like ward, you know, to kind of describe what they're doing. And hopefully that sort of helps people who, who might not have an RPG background or like a super deep fantasy magic um, background. Also, I oddly enough, I don't think I've ever played a wizard in 30 years of playing D&D. Like I'm not a wizard player. So, um, you know, making up all the, the magic rules as I went, I'm not as familiar with that as if it was like a different... I mean, I'm familiar with them certainly... You know, I know what the spell book but looks like. That's not your go-to class. No, no, never has been. I think when I told what my, my D&D buddies, uh, Paladin, Ranger, Cleric, probably. Uh, okay. Ranger probably is what I played the most. Um, occasionally like a thief, occasionally a bard, um, but never, ever a wizard or a sorcerer. Never done it. Is there, like, do you have a particular reason that you know of, or is it just not something that calls to you? I think it's just because I, I came up in, like, second edition D&D, and if you were making a wizard in second edition D&D, like, don't get attached, right? If in the first, you're, you're going to be able to cast, like, sleep and maybe magic missile, and then eight hours later, maybe you can do something else. Um, I like to be, I, and, and also, like, I, you know, I don't know. I just like playing a more physically active character than that. I want to hit stuff. <laughs> you know, even when I when I do play a cleric, it's usually the sort of, you know, heavily armored, hammer wielding kind of cleric. You know, I like to get in there and mix it up on the front lines. That's really interesting then given that this book obviously is very much a not just a wizard but like kind of an anti-combat wizard. In, I mean, she's she's pretty like aggressive in like she's pretty forward, but not in terms of her magic or her skill sets. Yeah, 
Yeah, she can get in there and mix it up. I mean, she carries a sword, right? And um, she does know how to use it. Uh, it's just that's never like the first thing she thinks about. And the like, I think the first time there's really a combat scene in this book, she is standing back casting like protective spells for the other person. Like that's her kind of designated role. She can fight if she has to, but it's not usually her first option. It's not usually her first choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so she has like a lot of different relationships with various people that change sort of over the course of the book. Um, and there's both a lot of people in Lone Pine and also basically no people in the town. Uh, I'm a little curious about which of those relationships felt the most important to you for her. And then also just like, what was the most fun to write while you were doing that? That's honestly the same answer, um, for most important and most fun of the people in Lone Pine is, is Tunbridge or Tun, the, uh, trapper that she gets to be pals with, that she goes into the wilderness with, because if she went into the wilderness without him, like she wouldn't make it back. <laughs> she wouldn't know what she was doing at all. Um, and so Tun is much more the kind of character that like I would play <laughs> in a campaign, like half work ranger. Absolutely. Um, and, but so one of my sort of influences on this book is I I've read a lot of PI fiction, like the, um, Robert B. Parker Spencer novels and obviously Raymond Chandler, um, and Craig Johnson, all that's not PI that's cop. And there's quite often there's a relationship that like the main character has with somebody who's kind of like they're heavy, like the person they call in when they know they can't handle um, what they're up against. And that was my initial view of Tun. Like Tun would be the hawk to Ailish's Spencer um, in that like he and so that's kind of he lives sort of on the edges of civilization, even more so than she does. Um but, you know, obviously has very strict code that he lives by and sort of his own secrets and his own interiority. And as I was writing him, I took a lot of joy in like making him kind of verbally spar with Ailish and showing that, you know, this guy is a lot better educated than you would expect someone in his position to be. And why is like, how does that happen? And Ailish doesn't know and like has no clue by the end of this book. And there's parts where she's throwing out like really, you know, 10 cent words to try and trip him up. And he, he knows what all of them mean. Right. Yeah. So that it's was like a very fun yeah. characterization and banter yeah. that's happening. Um, are there other characters that really stand out that feel central? Um, well, Morenia um, is a really important character uh, mm -hmm. for Ailish. That's, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but she's going to be in book two and in book three. Um, and that, uh, and I also really like uh, Timic and Andrash, the, the Dwarven brothers, the Dobruges. Um, I, I play dwarves a lot. Um, <laughs> and again, they're like, Timic is like a, a Dwarven fighter thief. That's a character I would play. Um, and uh, I just kind of, I don't know, creating characters and giving them different ways of speaking and ways of being and ways of acting is like the f most fun thing for me about being a writer. I, I, I have, I could fill notebook after notebook with character ideas for books and for PGs both. Um, in fact, I do <laughs> quite often. <laughs> and like when I was writing uh, Russ and Martin, like the, the married couple that owns the inn 
and Lone Pine, they were a lot of fun to develop. Like, you know, obviously they're veterans. They've responded to their their war experience in different ways. Um, and, you know, you'll see more of all of these people in in the further books of the series, for sure. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You mentioned sort of like detective fiction being a really clear influence and obviously RPGs like D&D, like various things. Were there other central influences or ways that you thought about those kind of genres and tropes mixing that while you wrote it? Um, I think when I was initially starting it, I th- I kind of thought there was it was going to be more like there, there's still mystery here. There's still mystery focus, mm-hmm. but I thought there was going to be more like, like I said earlier, I was envisioning the necromancy and some of her other magic as like more investigative than it is. And then just... Um, I'm not <laughs> a lot like Ailish. I'm not really a good planner. Um, even when it comes to writing, I kind of just start doing it and see what happens. And like, I tried to write outlines for these books and then Ailish just kind of kept doing whatever she wanted. <laughs> and <laughs> so just Classic. the way, the, the way it developed, um, that I don't think there's as much of that, like PI, um, influence as I kind of thought there would be when I started. I think it's still there in her relationship with Ton, probably, and and maybe a few other things. I, I think if I really had wanted to commit to that, I would have written it in first person. And I think if I because that you know your 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 classic sort of PI or mystery detective novel is usually written in the first person. Not all of them, but but a lot of them. And um I think when I started writing this, a friend actually asked me that, like, are you going to write this in the first person? And I was like 50 pages into it. And I thought, well, maybe if I hit a wall, I'll switch and go rewrite the first 50 pages. But I didn't. <laughs> and here we are. So. Was that like a conscious choice? Because I feel like high fantasy is often third person, at least in like yeah. sort of adult. Yeah. That when so, you sat down, you were like. Yeah, because I, I started I started writing this book in uh, 2015. Oh, wow. You know, it's been been a pretty long journey. And so I was in the midst of writing uh, the Paladin trilogy, too. I just like um, I think I, I think the first draft, yeah, the first drafts of all of them were done. Um, and the, the, the first book was was wending its way towards publication. And so I kind of had some time on my hands without any revising to do or whatever. And I, I just sat down with a legal pad. I'm usually a, at the time I was usually strictly a, a keyboard writer and not a, not a by hand writer. Um, cause I was in, I was on vacation in my in-laws house. Um, and it was like storming. They live in Tennessee. It was storming. There wasn't anywhere to go or anything to, to do. Um, so it started like the, had this little germ of an idea and started writing it. And I think because I was in high fantasy mode at the time, I just stuck with third person. I didn't know if I could write first person. Eventually I did write some novels in first person. Um, so maybe I could have, but I think it, it worked out to stick with it this way. So you were working on this book from 2015 through uh-huh. until fairly recently yep. on and off. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I, 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 
What were you going to say? Oh, no, you go. Absolutely. Okay. I, I don't know when I was going to... I don't know when I finished it, when I finished second, third, fourth drafts. I had written the first two books um, and I was honestly about, like I got not collected a lot of agent rejections. I was about to give up on them. I literally said to myself, I, I, I had kind of two options. I can put them in a trunk and move on, do something else. Or I can, I can like, I had some ideas about self-publishing. And then I did SF hashtag SFF pit on Twitter in February of 2020. Um, and I got one like from one agent and I sent them the first 50 pages of the warden. And they sent back like three hours later, like send me the whole book. And I sent them the whole book. And the next day they were like, I stayed in my office all night, read the entire book. Like I want to talk on Wednesday. And then, you know, here we are. So, and then there was some, then of course the pandemic happened <laughs> And so there wasn't a whole lot of movement on things in the publishing industry, but then it was uh, September that it sold September of 2020 that um, it officially like sold. Well, September 2020 is when an offer was made. December is when a contract was signed because publishing does tend to, the wheels do tend to move pretty slowly. You know, that's not a knock on anybody in publishing. That's just how it is. My sense is that sort of the relationship that Wire Society has with tabletop and D&D in particular has changed pretty radically over the period that this book was happening. Um, yes, was that something that definitely. impacted either the writing or like what it felt like in your publishing journey? Or was that um, sort of separate? It, it didn't impact me, I guess, since I've been like part of the tabletop world, like I said, for over 30 years. Um, but I don't... I used to say with, we used to say with my friends, like a couple times people asked if they could watch us play D and D. This was like in college. And we were like, yeah, you can, but that's like, one of our friends literally said, there's nothing more exciting than playing D and D and nothing more boring than watching other people play D and D. Why would anybody ever want to do that? Well, obviously we're idiots, <laughs> right? Uh, Cause apparently people love to watch other people play RPGs. Um, but it didn't, that didn't really impact, didn't really impact my, my thinking. Um, I don't like I'm only kind of dimly aware of the like, you know, all the actual plays and the very famous like podcasts of um, D&D. Like I just I have so many hobbies and writing is like a full time job on top of teaching. So it's just not something I've actually gotten into. Fair enough. Um, is So right now, is that what you're working on is the next books in this series or are you working on a couple of things? Yeah, I'm working on the next books in this series. And then I have uh, a couple of standalone books, one that's like written um, and then one that I am writing um, that I'm actually writing like by hand um, instead of typing, which is an unusual choice for me. But here we are. Um, I, so I guess everybody picked up new hobbies like around the pandemic, right? Mine is mm -hmm. fountain pens. <laughs> I got really into fountain pens in the last like three and a half years. Um, and so, you know, I have this like nice collection of fountain pens now and I, I refuse to write with anything else. Um, and uh, actually some of my students have kind of gotten into it too. I've been a bad influence on them. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I'm working on, uh, there, there's standalone novels that aren't, that are related to each other only in that they take place in the same world. Um, I don't want to say too much about them because I like my agent hasn't even seen them, you know, mm -hmm. um, but they definitely, what I said earlier about being interested in the not typical protagonists, 
of a fantasy novel the the first one the one that's actually written is definitely that um it's kind of a very stereotypical fantasy setting and situation except the perspective characters like there's like wizards and and kings and you know evil lords and everything but the main characters are just five ordinary soldiers who don't really have a clear picture of what's happening they only see the thing that's in front of them that's really cool yeah hope so Um, yeah i mean that sounds knowing (laughs) nothing but super hypotheticals that sounds really interesting yeah for sure um, so if people are looking to find you on places on the internet or just curious to learn more, where should they go? Uh, the best place to find me is Twitter. That's the social media I know how to use best. Um, it's, uh, my Twitter handle is sounding line, but if you just look up Daniel M. Ford, um, you'll find me. Uh, I, I have Instagram, but I don't really know how to use it. It's like uh, all I put up there is pictures of cats and cocktails and, um, you know, if you just looked at Instagram, you'd think I was a, a, a lonely, you know, cat herding alcoholic, I guess. Um, <laughs> which I'm not. I, I mean, promise. that sounds like a pretty good use of Instagram, honestly, is cats <laughs> and cocktails. But then I am yeah. also not super Instagram proficient. So yeah. So yeah, Twitter is the best place. I have a website. I am very, very bad at updating and maintaining it. I think it's still like everything on it is still about my first novel ordination, which came out in 2016. <laughs> um but yeah, Twitter is the best place to locate me. All right. Fabulous. Um, well, thank you so much for speaking to me. This has been really great. Um, right. And the warden me. comes out April 18th. April 18th, tw- Tuesday. Right? Yep. Tuesday. So Tuesday, Tuesday from when we are recording this. Yes. Very I don't know. exciting. I, yeah. Yes. Yep. All right. Um, I have been speaking to Daniel M. Ford about his novel, The Warden, which is out this April 18th from Tor. Um, I've been your host, A.E. Lanier. Thank you so much for listening. And please consider feeding the algorithms that run our lives by subscribing or leaving a review if you are so inclined or telling a friend about us in the IRL spaces. I will speak to you soon. And for now, happy reading. Happy reading.